This is former TNA World Champion Raven, and you're listening to TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Quote the Raven, nevermore. And don't cross the line. Or do cross the line. I'm not really sure if you're supposed to, you're not supposed to. I don't know. Eh, whatever. You get it. TNA Wrestling. Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 173 of TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Conning Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. And Dallas, we are coming off of TNA Hard Justice 2005. One of the first pay-per-views, or maybe the first pay-per-view, that I've given a thumbs down. But you, being the TNA Mark Boy, decided, hey, this is one of the best ones I've ever watched. No, 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 no. I did not say that. A little bit. Um, Dallas will be going through the whole card, so I'm not going to go through all the matches. But the primary focus here coming out of the show is that we have a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and that is AJ Styles. He defeated Jeff Jarrett in the main event where there was a special referee, Tito Ortiz. And, yes, we did get that Mike Tyson, Shawn Michaels moment where Jarrett got knocked out. So Styles is the new champion, and there is also a number one contender because Abyss won the gauntlet for the gold when he pinned Ron Killings. So assuming all that, assuming going into Slammiversary, by all accounts, it looks like we're going to be going AJ in Abyss. And they had just main evented Lockdown 2005 back in April. So have we reached a moment here where the main event scene is really coming across as redundant. Now, sure, AJ and Abyss will probably have another great match because they did at lockdown, and they have in the past. But even with Jarrett not being the champion, is the main event scene getting a little too repetitive? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and I think part of the problem maybe with that is when Jarrett kind of beats them all, and then you don't really have many people to work with i think we're even kind of lucky that we have aj as uh, a champion and in the main event scene right now because if not i don't really know what we got to work with kevin nash is filming a movie in china ddp is like teaming with who did he just team with freaking uh bg james didn't he? bg james that's right well he was supposed to we'll get it. we'll get into that um, or are you talking about a hard Ron? Well, he teamed up with Ron Killings at Hard Justice, right? But he's like associated with Three Life Crew, kind of, right? right like going against Jarrett's uh, guys, Monty and the Outlaw. I don't know. We're just in like a really weird place with the main event because, like I said, Jarrett kind of just beats them all. And really, what the last couple contenders, Kevin Nash, DDP, he's just he's going through them all. Who else do we got left? I mean, Raven's not really in the main event picture right now. Neither is Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's far away from it at this point, if you ask me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking, could there be potential here? And maybe would would you do this? Would there maybe be a focus of the X division 
other X division guys in the heavyweight division. So like, let's say on impact, you know, AJ being the fighting champion that he usually claims to be, we could be seeing AJ against PD Williams for the world title or Chris Saban or, or Christopher Daniels or Christopher Daniels, which Chase, I think, Chase Stevens had a good match with AJ. Who knows? I think, um, and as you're about to say that, I was, lo- I was looking at the hard justice card and looking at the names, but Daniels too. And we're going to, we'll talk about this, uh, more in a minute. Daniels is so over with the Orlando crowd. Him versus Styles for the heavyweight title would go over very, very well. Oh, for, yeah. Of course they'd kill it, but, like, the crowd likes Daniel so much. It's not like you'd be like, oh, I don't see him as a contender. No, yeah, absolutely. Well, and didn't I, it, wasn't the match that Styles had with Kazarian where he almost broke his neck, wasn't that a heavyweight title match? Um, that might have been. And that's where it's like they kind of they kind of dipped their toes in that idea. No, yeah, yeah, they definitely did that in this. Yeah, uh, and like at that time for Kazarian to get a title shot is kind of wild, anyways. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel like that's what I would be trying to do here, is maybe do a, something a little different. I mean, you mentioned Raven, but and there's clearly been a d- detachment from the Asylum years. Like they do not well, really that's what acknowledge. I mean, yeah. Yeah, like I don't on TV. They'd probably be like, "Oh, this is Raven's first title opportunity." You know what I mean? And like ignoring April two thousand three. Because like, or, or at least they time. seem to like tiptoe around it. So it's like they'll they'll make it seem like it's his first match, but maybe not quite say it. Because I feel like that's what they did with Styles and Jarrett. It's like they didn't say it was his first time fighting Jarrett, but they kind of made it seem like that yeah, was definitely the case. Well, they didn't. You would have thought that they would say, oh, hey, AJ would be like, I beat you before. They didn't even do that. No, they didn't do that, which is weird. Which is, which is really baffling to me. It's like, why wouldn't you acknowledge that I, you know, he's beaten Jared before? Yeah, and this just, is... And show footage of that. This is where it's like the how little people saw the Asylum shows is is good and bad. Because it's like, you can you can essentially lie about stuff that's very obvious... But you can also, like, hide some of the bad stuff. Like, we don't really need to talk about right. sex. We don't really need to talk right. about that. Uh, we don't need to talk about Glenn Gilberti getting a clean win over AJ Styles. No, we don't got to talk no. about that. We no, And you yeah. probably will never hear that again. Like, it's just... Right. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I'm really curious, though, how Slammiversary is going to shape up. And, um, I mean, we've been hinting at it for a while here, Bob, but... We got two episodes of Impact, and uh, then we had a little time off. But we'll we'll talk more about that probably on our next episode. Um, as you know, we don't really even know what we're doing yet. So we have we've been talking about it, and then we like change our minds, or we're like, oh, we don't know. Yeah, so we'll we'll, we'll split we'll spitball a little bit, uh, and we'll we'll figure something out. But yeah, um, we'll get there. But yeah, so it's a, we're in a very interesting situation, and we are going to start to talk more about Slammiversary, maybe even a little bit on this show. I'm I'm a little hesitant to do that because I don't want to um, spoil anything necessarily, but I might have some at least potential matchups that definitely aren't confirmed yet. But I might hold off just in case we talk. They actually happen on the show today. Um, but before we get into all that, let's go through. Dave Meltzer star ratings and news and notes about hard justice. And we'll say hardcore justice. Not yet. Five, five more years or so, but, or is it six years? I don't know. What are they doing? 
Is it 25th? Okay, that's what I thought. Because it's, you know, the old, uh, we haven't had enough uh, ECW reunion shows. Yeah, I'm getting sick of ECW nostalgia. I'm sorry. Someone can hate me if they want. I'm over it. No, I totally agree, dude. I was watching a independent wrestling uh, match on YouTube. It was Crowbar against Rick uh, Recon. And for ISPW, and it's actually a good feud. I wrote something up for WrestlingRecast.com. Check it out. I saw that. Yep. Um, but you know they were doing like a, I think it was during their Steel Cage TLC match, which was I guess the first time that's ever happened. And uh, you know they do some hardcore stuff, and there's fans chanting ECW, and it's like guys, it's 2023. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta stop with ECW chants. Dude, and people, that's the thing in uh, Impact too. Because Dreamer and, like, Bully right. Ray, they just right. having a feud. I just, I'm just over it. Can yeah, we start changing yeah. WCW at stuff or something? Can we do something different? Well, you know, yeah, the thing with WCW is that it was so similar to WWE. There's no point. I mean, the only time that you would chant WCW is for, like, a clusterfuck finish of a team. Exactly. Exactly. WCW, yeah, non-finish. WCW. 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 Or if there's an on-the-pole match, you can start chanting it or something. Sure. Yeah, there's that, yeah. Yeah, I'm just I'm over the ECW nostalgia. But anyways, uh, Hardcore Justice, for the record, good show. I did enjoy it. Uh, uh, did you enjoy or did you enjoy, like, two matches? I probably enjoyed two matches. Yeah, because like I know Raven Dreamer is actually pretty good, and then dude, that Raven Dreamer match is freaking awesome. RVD and uh, Sabu, right? Yeah, that's probably it. I think it was supposed to originally be Jerry Lynn, but I think he got hurt. Yeah, so I think it was RVD and Sabu. I do remember Dreamer Raven being good. You might be okay, so you might be right. I just, I also, uh, I had like friends over. It was like a, I think, I think that I watched that. Oh no, that wasn't. Never mind. I watched it with a group of friends, so I think I also maybe just had a lot of fun that night anyway. You but. suckered in a group of friends to watch a TNA pay-per-view? I might have did it twice. Because then there's the 10-10-10 Bound for Glory show. I also think I had people over for that one. Was it the like the group of friends I would know? Or was it like other yeah, people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think. Pretty sure. Okay. And I don't think it was like a ton. but I understand doing Bound for Glory 2010 too, because I almost bought that show too. But I didn't. Which not thinking about it, I don't remember how many other ones I actually like purchased. My the, one, I'm pretty sure those two I did. The only one we've already done it was Victory Road 2004. That was the only show. There was another show I almost bought. Like my buddy Anthony was over, and we were like, "Oh, dude, should we get it?" And I had the money out because I was gonna give it to my dad. To like cover obviously, so he didn't get shocked of a forty dollar purchase, whatever it was. Right. And uh, I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? It's just it's gonna be on DVD in like two months. I'll just wait. So I did. Right. And then then I didn't get the DVD. See. You know, that's what happens. Right. Um, I'm surprised okay. I never got a lockdown. I mean, being yeah. a sucker yeah. for cage matches, you would think I would get a lockdown, but I never did. I, I, I'm sure I, I purchased other ones. I just, off the top of my head, I don't remember too much. And nowadays it's like, like I, I buy AEW pay-per-views, uh, usually with you. And then um, if, I, if I watch a WWE one, it's on Peacock and I pay $10 a month for. So right. uh, it's very difficult for me to want to pay 
to watch a show when everything else is so easy to watch. And like AWs are four times a year. Like I can do that. Right. Four or five. Yeah. Yeah. This year it's going to be six because they just really want to fuck around. But yeah. Um, anyways, uh, let's get let's get into this. There's some interesting stuff. And we're going to talk about Dave Meltzer's star ratings as well. Oh, before I do that. Oh, my God, Bob. How could I forget? We have to do his thumbs up, thumbs down, and stuff like that. Now, Bob gave it a thumbs down here. He noted that. It's really sad. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it because it kind of upsets me. However, um, I I think I gave it a thumbs up. I, um, I didn't think it was a bad show, and actually, I think it was significantly better than I expected it to be. So with all of that being said, Bob, what do you think that the readers of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter had to say about Hard Justice? Uh, I'm leaning towards they gave it a thumbs up just because Styles won the title. Yeah, they did. 85.9% gave it a thumbs up. 4.3% uh, gave it a thumbs down, and 9.8% were in the middle. So, how many people? So, how many people gave? Yep, yeah, I was going to tell you that too because you'll notice the numbers actually went down slightly uh, again. Um, there was. I can't. I don't. Can't do my math fast. So there's 79 up, four down, and nine in the middle. <laughs> now, so just for a reference point, lockdown. We had, we had well over a hundred. So 82, 4, 24. So a significant amount went down. And there's a car yeah. alarm. Cool. Um, that doesn't now, surprise me that they went down. Right. Now. What do you think was voted on as the best match? I know we didn't run down it yet, but I'm sure you have the card in front of you. I do. Um, the best match. I'm going to say they went Daniel Shocker. You motherfucker. I always wanted to surprise you. Yeah, they picked Daniels and Shocker only by one extra vote. Okay. So, but, but still, I am shocked to see that but it was actually like a really good match so um significantly better than i was expecting yeah because shocker seems to be hit or miss it seems like here in dna um in second place by literally one vote away was jeff jarrett and aj styles then third was america's most wanted and the naturals and then fourth that's how many different we have here is raven and sean waltman okay and what about the worst match um, I will say they went with the worst match. Not they probably didn't do gone for the goal. That was fine. Um, Brown and Outlaw against DDP and Killings. That was second. So uh, Shane and Trinity against Saban and Tracy. No, and that match was good as fuck. So how dare you say? I that? know. I don't know. So Team Canada against Apollo and Siaki. Yeah, yeah, it was that one uh, with forty six. Uh, the Outlaw and Brown tag match got. 10 votes and then even raven and waltman got eight in this category as well which is odd to me because that was a pretty good match i thought that's surprising yeah. um and just for just for reference point uh this was all based on phone calls emails and faxes as of tuesday the 17th so but there's potential that more came in there but regardless that's uh where that stands okay so on to the notes here uh the may 15th TNA Hard Justice pay-per-view, Dave says, was a good show, but one that ended ended giving one of the feelings of uneasiness because there's a lot of bad vibes. Uh, the show lacked the killer match or matches that most of recent shows have had, even though a lot of the matches were good. 
the crowd in or, uh, Universal in Orlando was not hot at all, and they usually they've been the, one of the reasons that the pay per views have been so strong um, of the great reactions because of the great reactions. Those who regularly attended noted to me uh, after the show that there were real vibe among the regulars that they were losing interest. TNA or sorry, the pay per views always uh, turned hundreds away this time for a free show with the second most popular in the company, by all accounts, in the building. Christopher Daniels is the most popular. Uh, challenging the hated Jeff Jarrett, so they're talking about AJ Styles here, for the NWA title. They turned nobody away. <laughs> now, they did manage to get about 750 fans into start, but as usual, many left after seeing the Christopher Daniels match. Those who were there weren't as hot as usual, and there were lots of empty seats for the title change. So... And if you look at the actually order of the card here, that means they missed the gauntlet for the gold um, and the heavyweight title match, which was a decent chunk of that last part of the show. So I guess it's easier to leave a show if you didn't pay anything for it, if you like, kind of saw what you wanted. Yeah, but there's no way that if we went to that show that you're not you're not staying for the whole show. Absolutely fucking not. I'm staying for the whole show. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm making sure that everything is done before I get up out of my seat. Yeah. So not only are we getting there three hours before a show, oh. we're staying the whole time. Well, see, so you you can't really blame me if we got there three hours for this because you don't actually have tickets. You have you. It's like GA. you have to. Yeah, you have to. See. You can't really blame me for this one. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say the volume of response, which is usually good indication of how the pay per view is going to do, was uh, by far the lowest of these shows since it went monthly. In fact, there was less of a response. Than the strongest shows when they went weekly on Wednesday. Uh, so he's saying how much lower it is on this. Um, the response was down 16% from the show three weeks earlier and 33% down from March, which is believed to have done around 25,000 25, buys. So a reasonable estimate for this looks to be about six, 16,500 range, down from the 35,000 that they were doing four months ago. TNA has gotten as many as 6,000 or more buys on replay showings on shows that got great reviews in recent months. While this show got good reviews, I don't think it's strong enough that people would kick themselves for missing it and order a replay. Yeah. Which I think is probably pretty fair. I mean, I, 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 I keep knocking hard justice in general, but it's true. Like, it's just one of, it's a throwaway pay-per-view for TNA. That, and that's my issue with it. It's like I, I watched the show and it didn't drag along or anything. And like Dave said, there are some solid matches, but ultimately going into it, the build for it, yeah, it just wasn't there. I mean, you're you're building towards Raven and Jeff Hardy, for instance, and you tune into the show and it's Sean Waltman. Right. So there's not a lot there to be invested in. Totally. For me to I, under, I, I understood what, where you're coming from. I just. Yeah. I just like TNA and the matches. Really, you know. Anyway, you know how I am. Uh, the big news is nearly uh, one year long run of Jeff Jarrett dating back from, to June 2nd, 2004 ending. Uh, the finish, which was booked by Scott Demore and not insisted upon by Jarrett, uh, was that the special ref, Tito Ortiz, decked Jarrett, and he notes that the punch looked great, uh, largely because he did potato Jarrett with it. Um, <laughs> And Styles came off the rope with a spiral tap. Uh, there was no major post-match celebration, and it did come off like it was Ortiz and not Styles who really beat Jarrett, which I think we even talked about after yeah. the match. 
Um, a far better finish would have been, um, he notes, Ortiz uh, decking the outlaw um, and Styles to beat Jared on his own. So he'd still get the punch in, but. Um, yeah, and, than... and I think Outlaw would have sold the punch extremely well. Oh, yeah, he would have, 100%. Uh, more than anyone else, the title switch was insisted upon by Dixie Carter, but prior booker Dusty Rhodes and the new booking committee were all on the same page. Now, you're probably wondering who the fuck is the new booking committee. I got that note. I'm saving for after we get through Hard Justice, so stay tuned. I just wanted to get Hard Justice out of our way first. Uh, Jarrett at first agreed, although uh, grudgingly, to lose to Styles when Carter brought it up. However, there were major issues over the weekend. Styles' contract expired in September, and while they thought they were close to a new deal, he had not signed. As of late the night before the show, Jarrett was refusing to lose the title unless Styles signed a new three-year contract that expires (laughs) in September 2008. Styles, who was believed to have gotten a good raise, he did end up signing this contract, giving him far more time with his family than a prospective WWE deal would have allowed him, and probably as high as a money guarantee as he would have gotten elsewhere. So... It's official. AJ Styles is here till at least September 2008. Manipulation at its finest. I love it. However, I, he, even D- Dave, I, I pull out because sometimes his like parentheses throw me off. I'm trying to read, but do you? Re- I mean, I understand why he'd want to be like, if you're not going to stick around, why am I going to drop the title to you? I could, I, I will give him the benefit of that. Not to be like, you better sign this three year deal. That's like a little much, probably, right. but. To like really hook them in, but honestly, if they're trying to get people more long term than like year deals, then it's probably for the better. Yeah, but like the night before, I know, I know. To be like, hey, I'm not doing it unless you sign. And if you look at you know, uh, like the TV situation, it might be like the worst time to right, right, be signing up long term with the company because like. I mean, that's if really you're about point. to if you're about to not have a TV deal. Like, what? Are, how can you justify it? But that's pretty, that's that interesting weekly. to look. Oh, he's got a weekly guarantee. Like, well, no, I was gonna say, what if he? I mean, he there's a really he good chance to. he could, right? He has to. Yeah. So that's interesting. So he's gonna. So he's signed up through, or to uh, September 2008. So, yeah, so we got oh, much more, much more yeah. AJ Styles left in our life. Yeah, thank God. He's going to be a 16-time champion by the time we get to the end of 2008, I feel like. But. Well, I mean, I would imagine, like, if you're Jeff Jarrett and you're doing this, then him signing, I would have to believe that he's going to have a lengthy run with it. I would assume so as well, right? And I think with what you're saying about Daniels, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Daniel Styles Bound for Glory title match. That would be smart fucking shit especially i mean if it's in orlando and uh and daniels is by far the most over guy right i agree that seems to make the that, make, that seems to make a lot of sense to me right uh there, there's two more uh notes here before we get into the match breakdown um it's still all, of course talking about this uh the other major story involves uh the pro wrestling debut of ortiz Ortiz got high marks from everyone in TNA with the feeling that his demeanor, look, and charisma made him a natural for the business. Now, while his Jimmy Kimmel appearance wasn't much, the feeling was that he did a perfect job in the best damn sports show, plugging the pay-per-view. The video feature on him is a wrestling fan produced by uh, Jeremy Borash, 
on the weekend TV was strong, uh, which we saw on Impact. Um, and he performed well in his uh, vignettes on the show. He did a great job as referee and appeared that he loved the atmosphere. As he stayed stayed out and partied with the wrestlers till at least 5.30 a.m. after the show. Uh, the new booking team is thinking along the same lines as Dusty Rhodes about the future usage of him. Now, he hasn't agreed to anything, but he will likely be asked to be a part of the WGN debut show uh, if the deal is made, as well as possibly headlining a July or August pay-per-view show. So, and I gotta, you know, I gotta agree. I think that Ortiz did not like stick out too poorly. I think sometimes when you throw in a special referee of someone who is not a wrestler, like it can get a little weird. But I think he was, he did pretty good. Okay, but they're saying that he could headline July or August. Uh, yeah, I don't. We're just as like a perform as like performing. I mean, it doesn't say that, but who knows? Yeah, I think that's kind of what it's talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Him versus Jarrett, baby. Yeah. Well, if it's not for the title, I don't care. Yeah, and I feel like Jared would definitely put himself in that spot. It makes sense. Cost him the title. You could do that. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't know how Tito would do. I don't either. If he's potatoing him on a on a work punch, I can't imagine what he would do like on a power driver. He'd probably oh, break his neck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the last thing here uh, is Dave notes that there was some issue with the handling of the death of Chris Candido. Um, so they were getting some uh, criticism for the way they handled this, which I don't know, I'll let you decide after. Um, now, before the show started in the building, Jimmy Hart interviewed the Naturals in the ring, clearly designed to babyface them in sympathy for the death of Chris Candido, um, who interfered in their tag title win two days before. Uh, his death, well, a few days before, and then, of course, uh, it was taped. So uh, the show started with a, a photo of Candido with one of the tag belts and a dark and empty ring and a 10-bell salute. There was also an interview with the Naturals with Mike Tanay, which we actually saw on air, where they were clearly presented as sympathetic baby faces, talking about how much Candido taught them. Some, most notably Bob Ryder, were uh, negative about this, claiming that the company was exploiting Candido's death Ryder claimed after the show that the internet response proved him correct. Uh, when the Naturals came out for their match with AMW, there was a chair uh, put in their corner with some yellow, with the same yellow towel that Candido used. Uh, Dave says it was a moving deal and that there were loud Candido chants uh, throughout the match. At times, the match lacked heat because there was no heel uh, in the crowd's eyes. When Chase Stevens put his feet on the ropes to pin James, it was said by the announcers that he won the way Candido taught him and that the crowd popped big as if they clearly wanted the Naturals to win, even though neither t- team played heel. So, um, yeah, they've, they're just kind of getting that criticism of that they're exploiting him and all that. Now, D- Dave says that he doesn't... Uh, he said, I, d- I didn't find any problem with the interview, as my feeling is if it was a football player who lost his mentor or a boxer, the interviewer would have handled it the, exactly the same. The towel in the chair was a bit tough. You, know, you couldn't run away from the story because the crowd was chanting his name. And uh, Dave says, I had no problem uh, using his name for the finish. Um, and they're saying, like, if they if they did a ceremony to honor him and the heels jumped the naturals to build a feud, then he'd have a different opinion about the whole situation. But. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're exploiting him. I didn't look at that, that either. I, I, didn't I looked at it, too, as like. Literally, it was days before this is their first 
I mean, the other shows were taped. They got to do a little memorial thing, but they literally... They, they aired footage of him after he died. Right. Like, because it was already taped. Yeah. And all that. So it's like, I don't know. This was their opportunity to honor him, and I think... I don't know. I actually really liked how they're like... They taught... they That's how they taught him how to win, and like, that kind of stuff. Like, it plays into what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, exploiting somebody would be more like what would happen later on in 2005 with uh, Eddie. Mm. I mean, and that would go on for years. It's still going on. It's still going on today. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So no, I don't. I don't think that's in poor taste or anything like that. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really either. But okay, Bob, it's time to get into these matches here. Um, let's break them down. Uh, there was a dark match that we talked about. Shark Boy pinned David Young, David Young in six minutes and twenty eight seconds with the Dead Sea drop in a pre show match. Uh, to get into that gauntlet on the pay-per-view. Dave says that it was a solid bout, and he gave it two stars. For a pre-show match, not too bad. Mm. Uh, next up, Petey Williams and Eric Young defeated Apollo and Sonny Siaki in eight minutes and nine seconds. Originally, this was going to be a six-man with Bobby Roode on Team Canada against a Team Mexico. Now, we talked about this during the show. This was a rare show uh, pay-per-view show note. Uh, but they never could get the Mexican talent they wanted on such short notice particularly on a Sunday when any star worth anything has two or three bookings. When it came to uh, Los Villanos being on the team, the decision was uh, to just not have a Team Mexico. Uh, he notes that the match was sloppy in parts and that the finish saw Demore distract the referee and A1 nailed Siaki and Williams then pinned Siaki. Uh, one and a quarter star. Next up, we saw what I think was arguably one of the best mixed tag team matches I've ever seen in wrestling, where Michael Shane and Trinity defeated Chris Sabin and Tracy in 10 minutes and 17 seconds. It says that the match was good when Sabin was in with Shane. Uh, it was by no means bad when the women were in, but they just aren't on the same level as uh, Shane and Sabin, he says. Uh, he kind of goes through some of the match, but then at the end, the shocking turn Tracy turned on Saban and gave him a low blow while Shane then super kicked his partner, Trinity. The craziest double turn I've ever seen. Uh, Shane super kicked Saban to get the pin, and Shane and Tracy hug like they plotted it all out. Now, apparently, listen to this, Bob. This is crazy. Apparently, Rhodes thought that Shane and Trinity were always paired up, and that's why they were together in this feud. Um, and he says that... Uh, this was just uh, putting things back to how they were supposed to be. So there was a confusion there of Tracy. They they got. I think they got the two girls confused. Oh my! So basically, no one told them that. Oh, hey, it's Tracy and Shane. I don't know. I guess not. Oh to be fair, they were apart for a while, but still. Oh, by the way, the, the, I don't think I said that. It's uh, two and a half stars. He gave that one. That I think is ridiculous. That's a four star for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you we're were... talking, if we're talking entertainment purposes, four stars. I think I'm giving four stars for the explanation as to why Shane and Trinity were together. Because <laughs> Dusty didn't realize he thought they were together the whole time. I believe that shit too. I do too. That's that's amazing. I love it. Um, next up. Raven pinned Sean Waltman in the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, which I think they just called House of Fun at this time, but whatever. Uh, 13 minutes, two seconds. 
Raven totally buried Hardy in an interview, calling him a coward and having no guts before the match, because, of course, this was supposed to be Jeff Hardy. Now, Waltman did a hell of a job here as Raven had laid out a complete match for Hardy. So Waltman worked as Hardy's stand-in and actually was better than Hardy probably would have been. That's what you said. That's what you said. He's probably just doing Hardy's spots. And get ready, because it gets even weirder about that. Uh, He also took a few bumps that he had no business in taking to get the match over. Uh, the ring was surrounded by uh, by a cage on only one of the sides, and they had chains with weapons, um, like a stapler and all that kind of fun stuff. Which Dave says was totally gimmicked with no staples, as Bob was trying to tell me as if I didn't know on the show. Yeah, well, you didn't. Isn't it? Uh, Raven juiced in about 20 seconds, and his face was raked across the cage. Um, now, in a hearty spot, Waltman came off the clockwork chains from the top uh, rope, with a more careful version of a swanton onto Raven on the floor laying on a table. So, yeah, it's literally a swanton. Like, he literally did it at Jeff Hardy's spot. I love it. So if you just, if you CGI'd Waltman out and just put Hardy in, you would have got the same match is basically yeah. what we're learning from this, and I love it. Yeah. Um, Raven handcuffed Waltman to the ring post and started caning him, trying to reprise the Sandman Dreamer caning spot where Raven would tell Waltman to quit after hard shot, and Waltman would swear at him and not quit. Now, this is also pretty interesting. Dusty Rhodes came out, apparently about five cane shots uh, planned too early, and uncuffed Waltman. So he technically uncuffed him earlier than he was supposed to. Uh, and so Waltman came back after uh, that and everything. The finish was that Raven backdropped Waltman into the cage and it tipped over. At first, it looked like a terrible equipment malfunction, but when Waltman crashed to the floor as the cage gave way, Raven pinned him so that it was clear it was the planned finish. Fans liked the uh, the blood and weapons stuff a lot because both companies have toned it down in recent months. Three and a quarter stars. Pretty yeah, stuff. That, that was fun. Dusty's is messing up a lot on this show. Yeah, he's probably sick of it because he's not a booker anymore. So he's like, fuck it. I'll do whatever I want. Uh, Monty Brown and Monty the Outlaw, which I thought was a hilarious line that he wrote, uh, beat DDP and Ron Killings in 8 minutes, 56 seconds. Before the match, DDP did an interview and showed that he got a text message from PG James saying that he was stuck in traffic. Page acted. Uh, very angry about the situation, saying that it was BG who asked him to be his partner in the match in the first place. Killings came out and said that he didn't know where he was, but um, basically he would uh, be his partner anyway. And that he didn't even get that text message, by the way, so keep that in mind. Yeah, uh, It was a decent match, Dave says. The finish looked stupid and not well planned out, and this is another one of those shaking-my-head moments. Five Delta Slam ran in, but Page gave both of them diamond cutters, he then gave the outlaw a low kick and a diamond cutter, but Brown then pounced him for the win. What was stupid about this is that referee, we know it's Slick Johnson, but it's Mark Johnson, uh, was there watching all this interference and did nothing about it. It looked ridiculous, and all these guys from the outside beating Paige and the ref just standing there, and then counting a pinfall after all that. Two and a quarter stars. There's another note about this situation, uh, it must, either later or we'll talk about during the show. I can't remember where I placed it, but... Just keep in mind that match and that whole funky ending because there's a reason for it. Um, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens then retained the NWA Tag Team titles over Chris Harris and James Storm in 14 minutes, 59 seconds. As we already noted, loud Candido chants throughout the match. The emotion of the chair and the towel led to little reaction to the match itself and only the chance. 
Um, after a bunch of really great spots, uh, AMW went for the death sentence on Stevens, but Stevens broke it up and pinstormed with both his feet on the rope. Fans gave the Naturals a standing ovation and allowed Candido chance for the win. Gives this three stars. Then we saw Christopher Daniels defeating Shocker in 12 minutes to keep the X Division title. Uh, the match uh, picked up with a hard standing exchange of chops and slaps. It looked like Daniels was done, but he played possum and hit a downward spiral. Uh, in one bad spot, Daniels went for a moonsault, completely missed, then got up, not selling, acting like he had it, and Shocker stayed down while he just hit a second one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eventually, Shocker climbed up to the top rope, but Daniels got up, crotched him, and then used the Angel's Wings off the ropes into the ring for the pin. Three and a quarter star. Not too bad. Then we saw the Gauntlet for the Gold. Abyss won the 20-man Gauntlet match at 26 minutes, 28 seconds to become the top contender for the title. This didn't have the star power of length of most Royal Rumbles, but had more action than the majority of them and was well-scripted. Uh, and then he goes through the whole elimination order, which I'm not talking about. But we did see the return of Zach Gowan. That's probably the biggest thing that came out of this match. Uh, we ended up with uh, Abyss and Killings in a their singles match, because that's how Gauntlet the Gold works. They won a good 7 minutes and 21 seconds of action, with referee Rudy Charles getting bumped. Killings did an axe kick off the ropes. <clears throat> Even Dave calls it an axe kick, Bob. Uh, off the ropes oh, on you know Abyss. What? Hang on a minute. I want to point out, I was listening to a Nitro the other day at work. And Mike Tanay called it a scissor scissor kick slash axe kick. Oh, does that settle our debate officially? I think it's both. Hmm. I think you can do either way because the way that Tanay says it. If Tanay says it, it's, Booker T is like he Booker T with the scissor scissor axe kick. Hmm. And I was like, huh. I mean, listen, I think they're. I think they're pretty much the same anyways, but if that could stop our arguing about it, I guess. I, I think I, that's. Amazing. I guess if the professor said it, it's got to be true. That's fair. Well, he did the axe kick off the rope uh, here on Abyss. Or the axe scissor kick, we can call it now. Uh, whose face landed uh, on a chair in the ring. Charles was out. Abyss did the old earthquake sitting splash. Ryan Killings went for a second one. But Killings got the chair stuck up in his groin. He then came off the ropes. Uh, but Abyss hit a black hole slam and got the pin. Three stars. So pretty, pretty high rating for that one. And finally, the main event. AJ Styles pinned Jeff Jarrett to win the NWA title with Tito Ortiz as referee in 19 minutes and 32 seconds. A good match, but nothing on the level of prior Jarrett-Styles matches. Largely, Jarrett worked over Styles' knee, used a figure four, and Styles did very little of his spectacular stuff. Um, eventually, uh, Jarrett used a Styles clash for a near fall, so Styles came back and used the stroke for a near fall. Crowd wasn't much into the match. <laughs> That's just a book sentence. Monty Brown ran in and went to pounce uh, Styles, who moved, and he nailed Jarrett. <laughs> Ortiz confronted Brown, and there was a buzz out of that one. So apparently people were really buzzing about Ortiz and Monty Brown standing off. I'm not sure I quite got it while we were watching it, but fair enough. AJ Styles was covering, but no Ortiz. Rudy Charles ran into count, but Ortiz teasing a heel turn by pulling him out of the ring. Styles and Ortiz argued. Jarrett kicked Styles. Uh, low and shoved Ortiz, who uh, he that's when he, he punched him pretty much. Uh, and Jarrett looked, oh no, it's not when he punched him. My apologies. Uh, Jarrett looked like he was going to go for a super flex on Silas, but Ortiz pulled him down. Then he's that's when he shoved Ortiz. He KO'd Jarrett with a right cross, and Jarrett sold it like he was knocked out. Uh, and apparently he was half knocked out, anyways. Uh, Styles came off the top with a spiral tap for the win. Three stars. 
So only three stars. Well. Yeah. So that's the thing is if you look at these star ratings, there's not that one that is like awesome, amazing, like best tag team match ever. Like there's the. I mean, he literally gave the Raven Waltman match a higher rating than he gave that one and the Daniel Shocker match the same rating. Right. Which I which I'd argue were the two best matches on the show. Well, sure. the, the mixed tag though. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We know how you feel about that mixed tag. Match. Dude, the, the biggest double turn ever. Double turn. You hear that? Double turn. Like yeah. if you if you're gonna try to pull the whole like oh rock and Hogan no no yeah. no that was predictable we all knew that was happening okay even was... though I don't even though I didn't watch it live we did not know that was we did we had we knew it was happening this just because Dusty fucked up the booking I had no idea it was gonna happen <laughs> yeah this match that match had more of an impact on the wrestling landscape correct than any other double turn. To ever that, happen. that I can think of, yeah. Double turn, yeah. Now, if we're talking biggest heel, uh, biggest turn, like heel turn, <laughs> Kimberly Page. Kimberly Page. Hey, right, come on. I want people to. I want. I need everyone to really know this, though, that I'm not fucking around. I know you're not trolling. Anybody that thinks that you're trolling, they don't know you. I'm absolutely not. I'm still blown away by it. But anyways, we don't need to talk about that more. Let's talk about. Our TV deal. We got we got a little bit more we need to talk about here, Bob, before you end the show. I'll try to just plow through it, but unfortunately, there's just too much to talk about uh, during the show. But that's okay. This is important shit about our TV deal that's coming up. Okay, so Dave notes that we are one step and most likely just a few weeks away from having this second edition of the Monday Night Wars. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, while TNA's television situation television situation remains up in the air at press time, now just for your reference here, this Observer newsletter is from May twenty third. Okay, we are going to be watching the May twentieth impact in a minute, so it's a little it's a little later, but that's how they all are. We've talked about it before, anyway. Yeah. Um, most the most likely scenario is that sometime, probably as early as the next few weeks. TNA will debut on WGN in a Monday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time slot. This would give them the first hour unopposed, and the second hour would be head-to-head with the first hour of Raw. Now, contracts have not been signed, nor has a deal been verbally closed, but a final decision on TV is almost surely going to be made within a week or two at most. Now, TNA uh, TNA officials have one meeting left with Spike TV. Outwardly, Spike has continued to act like they are not interested in pro wrestling franchise. Uh, still, they have kept in contact with TNA, though, but it has always been, and still is, a long shot. Pretty fascinating. Now, TNA's television deal with Fox Sports that expires with its shows on 528 and 529, uh, which is a little bit, that's, um, I think, like, the, re- the replays and such. But, right. Um, and FSN wouldn't agree to a renewal term of less than six months. Now, it is not definite when WGN can clear its schedule to debut the new Monday show, but there is a possibility the scheduled 531 impact tapings could be canceled. This is a pretty big deal, man. Potentially canceling some tapings because we don't know where we're going. 
Now, if the WDGN deal is inked, the current plan would be to go live for two hours from Orlando every other Monday to save on transportation costs. There would be a Tuesday night taping for the following Monday. So it's a similar schedule that Raw did for several years back before it became a live weekly show. Mm -hmm. They are internal forces that want to do the show live every week. So this is not a final scenario. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, going to WGN would be a massive mistake, I think. Yeah, and I think it it probably gets discussed here. Um, I'm curious. Um, you know, like how how bad would it have been versus what we are going to see? I don't know. I'm, I'm well, obviously, what we're going to see ends up being the the big thing, but we're not there yet. I don't know. It's a very interesting time here, and um. Well, my thing too is you just can't you can't go live on a Monday. No. That would just I mean, sure you have the first hour to yourself, but still, I mean that's just I don't think that makes any sense to do that. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. Um and then it kind of breaks down some like old wrestling stuff that we're not getting into. Um sometimes it just gets kind of convoluted here. Do you uh, think that you would have watched Impact over Raw in 2005 on, on Mondays? Hmm. 2005 has some good shit, though, I feel like. I don't know. I think... I'm trying to remember. This My issue is... I feel like if I knew about TNA... I don't know if I was watching it or not. I don't know if I was. Uh, that's the thing I can't remember. But I feel like if I if I just found out about it... I think there's a, a chance, but 2005, man, I feel like that's like peak fandom for me is in WWE. Right. So it's really tough. I'd, I'd have to like see, I guess, like what was going, what was going on around this time? And I don't really remember off the top of my head, but I'd consider. You probably would. Probably would have. I mean, I'd leave birthday parties for TNA, so there's that. Yeah, no kidding. In in later years when it's not as good. <laughs> you were so excited about it, too. You made sure to get that cake, and then you left. Well, fuck yeah, I did. Yeah, you remember that. I got cake, and I left. Hell yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, okay, so I think that's kind of the gist of our TV talk uh, at the moment, but I got a few more things here. So this is about the booking committee. This is pretty interesting stuff. The company at its, uh, the Hard Justice pay-per-view in Orlando introduced the new booking team as head booker Scott Demore and assistants Mike Tenay, Dutch Mantel, Bill Banks, and Jeremy Borash. Now, Terry Taylor is not on the booking team, but is believed that he'll have input into everything because he's tight with Scott Demore. The pay-per-view show and first set of TVs were written before Tenay and Mantel were added to the committee. Although Mike Tenay had considerable influence on late changes to both shows. So Tenay has a lot of influence on what we're about to watch here today and next week. The group worked together all weekend and laid out a general direction for the company for the next three months. As noted before, the TNA's big problem was lack of visibility, which in turn leads to an inability to create new stars. Even with talented workers, they were also limited to stars with prior exposure on, uh, on top who the public believes are the real deal. Booking has had its issues during most of the company's three-year tenure, but booking is far more, or it's far from the big problem. So, 
it's uh, pretty interesting. And I'm curious how these shows are going to turn out with a whole new regime. Well, I'm curious to see just what Tanae's influence is. Yeah, I think that's probably the most interesting part, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and also, kind of dealing deal with all of this craziness, is that the plan is right now, even if the TV is interrupted beforehand, the plan is right now to still run Slammiversary to celebrate the three-year anniversary on June 19th. I don't know how you do that if no one knows that you're having a pay-per-view, but they're going to do it. That's the plan. Yeah, I don't know. Who, who would buy that? I don't know. I mean, because everything you just talked about, like visibility, I mean, you'd be at your weakest visibility at that moment. We, we, we have to be starting to talk about the show on today's episode. And that's why I'm going to not yeah. mention any of the rumored slash potentially talked about on these two shows matches because I I feel like they got to mention them. If they don't, we can talk about it, but yeah. I don't know. Now it appears with the booking change that there will be a lot of turns tag team t- teasing being split up and new additions to the roster uh, as well as people uh, being eliminated who aren't over. So there's going to be a lot of interesting huh. uh, things going around. Now, the still, the potentially the biggest story um, of all is going to take place over the next month, involving Jerry Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett, and Panda. Both sides are well aware there is going to be a battle for power. Now, nobody knows how it will play out. Panda is giving everyone the impression that they're in it for the long haul, in which case the Jarretts may leave and try uh, to start up. Uh, most of the talent here is under contract to Panda, and you, unless the Jarrett's can swing their own TV deal in an environment where TV is getting difficult, it's going to be hard to get many people to leave. Still, most of those in the office, with any wrestling background or knowledge, are handpicked friends of Jeff, like Borash, Bob Ryder, and David Sahadi. The Panda people are very much aware that Jeff, Jerry, or maybe even both, may not be part of the company much longer and that they would be working hard to recruit the talent, not under long-term deals. Mm. So people are thinking <laughs> that the Jarrett's going to leave and start another company. There's no way. Not I yet. wouldn't believe not that. Yet. Not yet. Right, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay, Dallas having a coughing fit. That's good. I have bronchitis. Um, oh, nice. So I'm trying to mute my coughs, but if I if one slips up, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling good, man. I got them antibiotics. Yeah. Apparently, so, I had bronchitis for like three weeks, and um, my fiance decided to say you should probably go to the doctor. And I was like, no, oh, I don't really want to. But then I did, and I had bronchitis. So here we are. That's why you got to listen to people, man. That's why, it, like, when my friend Bob calls me and he says, "Am I having a stroke?" I say, "Bob, you should probably go check that out just to be safe." <laughs> and guess just, what? I did not. And he did I'm not. Fine. And he's living. I'm fine. good. Perfect. Okay, Bob, two more things, I think, and then we can get into the show. Hold on, I'm double-checking. I don't want to lie to you. Okay, three more things. Okay, three more things. Oh, I'm scrolling back up. Okay, so there's also some talent issues that need to be addressed. So on the Hard Justice pay-per-view, um, Jeff Hardy no-showed, which we we saw. Um, he canceled and then uh, reserved a later flight from North Carolina to Orlando either six or eight times over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, depending on the source, before uh, finally not getting there at all, 
Actually, he arrived after the show ended. Um, as he was at the hotel hanging out with fans at midnight with his body all painted up like he was ready for a match. What? What? Dude. what? Now, I will say, uh, he was at the TV taping on May 17th, so he was at the taping that we're about to watch. Uh, when they got word out that uh, he suspended. Hmm. So, that's a thing. Uh, he was very apologetic, and he didn't do himself any favors when he said the reason he kept canceling his flight was because he was doing errands. I don't think anyone expected the new booking team to take a strong stand against a star, and uh, they did, particularly since he was, well, I'm not saying that's a spoiler. So he was booked for something big that we'll probably see on today's show. And uh, unfortunately, he's not in that uh, spot. Okay. Um, it's also really interesting. Um, does it say it right here? Um, so they, they're thinking that his suspension will likely end on uh, July 11th, which is uh, ironically the same time that Matt Hardy's WWE um, non-compete ends. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking that they might be able to have a Hardy Boys reunion uh, after that situation. We'll see. Um, there has been considerable heat on Jeff Jarrett for refusing to fire Hardy because the two were close after he had arrived late many times. And once, without even calling, he blew off TV uh, with TV taping. So he's in hot water, man. I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I just love that he was at a hotel painted up ready to fight. Is that not the most Jeff Hardy thing you've ever That is such a Jeff Hardy thing. Yeah. Now, the other issue, talent issue here, um, is about Diamond Dallas Page. Now, Page Page was booked to get pinned by Monty Brown's pounce in the DDP and Grant Killings versus Brown and Outlaw tag match. But he refused to do the job. (laughs) Yeah. Which hardly went over well since he's largely seen as a star whose main event whose main role, sorry, is to put over younger guys and make them appear to be big stars because of it. You'd think that DDP in 2005 would maybe realize that. But. Yeah. Um, Taylor and Damore uh, negotiated where Paige would get to use his diamond cutter on three guys, which is why they brought back Phi Delta Slam for the honors, interfering and getting nailed along with the outlaw, mm-hmm. uh, before being hit by the pounds and then doing the job. However, this probably soured everyone on Paige, who already had great heat because of the prior show, uh, he had scripted out a six-man tag, and Jarrett and the rest of the guys in the match didn't want to follow his script and clearly didn't appear happy about it. Well, lethal lockdown, by the way. Right. Uh, Paige, who missed the last set of tapings because of conflicts with a movie that he was filming, was once again not used on the tapings that we're about to watch from May 17th, nor is he booked for the next pay-per-view show. Uh, at this point, there are no plans for him either. Uh his only possibility, saving, possible saving grace, is that they need as many people with name recognition for at least the beginning of the WGN run, and he has more name recognition than most anyone on the roster. Uh, and one of the others, Hardy, might not be brought back for most likely for the first shows. Uh, however, both Hardy and Paige become important pawns if there's any kind of split, and, once, and for once, the talent actually will have options. And Bob, I think it is safe to say now, uh, and not safe to say, it is true. Uh, this is the last time that we see Diamond Dallas Page in TNA. At least match-wise. 
I've never understood why people refuse doing jabs. Well, especially that late in your career. Like, what yeah. You, you're supposed to help people out. Yeah. I mean, people helped him out. You know? Yeah. Kind of sucks. Unless he thought he had one more big run in him, but I don't think he's going back to WWE. I would say probably 2005. Not. Well, and just for the record, let's see. Three. Diamond Devil's Page has officially nine more matches after that Hard Justice pay-per-view to date. Until his his career essentially is over. I mean, he, it's a pretty. He has a couple more in two thousand five. Uh, one of which he he actually did uh, do the job here for uh, Larry Zabisco at Wrestle Reunion two. Well, he's uh, a legend, so <clears throat> right. Um, and then he pinned Buff Bagwell at a show um, in December of two thousand five. Then he he really wrestles quite sparingly. He wrestles twice in two thousand six uh, against Canyon both times actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he doesn't wrestle again until 2010, and then 2011, and then he's in overall Rumble, and then the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Raw, and then he's got that random match on Dynamite, uh, where he teamed with um, QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes to fight Butcher Blade and MJF. Yeah, so, I, I, I was going to guess that he had less than 10 matches since then. Yeah, so... Diamond Dallas Page is at least, like I said, wrestling r- match run here in uh in tna is done it's funny because i thought that i keep forgetting because we saw we saw um ddp at a 2cw show but he didn't wrestle he did a diamond cutter after he played like a five minute ddp yoga video and he sat in the ring doing yoga i wasn't there for that you weren't there at that one oh, i definitely thought you were there at that one no hmm. not there for that one Okay, well, I saw that one. But that's what happened. He, like, literally sat in the ring doing yoga moves, and, like, we watched a video for five minutes. And then he did a diamond cutter on uh, Muscle Marcos. Right. That was it. Yeah, it's good stuff. There we are. Self high five. Self high five. Fascinating. Oh, I love this. In 2011, he teams with Kevin Nash to fight the Rock and Roll Express. And they go in no contest, probably because none of the guys wanted to get pinned. At AWE, Night of the Legends. Yeah, probably. You're probably right. I bet you most of the shows on that card go in no contest. Oh, no, they don't. Okay. I just like the idea of that. I think it sounds funny. Wait, there is another match. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. This is a side note. So after that tag match, Ricky Morton and Kevin Nash have a match. With the special referee of Ronnie Garvin, and it is won by Countout because Kevin Nash probably didn't want to get pinned by Ricky Morton. That's great. I love it. Love it. Um, okay, this is my final note, Bob. Before we get into the show, uh, and uh, it's a Dusty Rhodes interview uh, situation. Um, so D- Dusty did an interview on live audio uh, wrestling, which I'm not reading the exact quotes from that because uh, Alvarez says that, but it's a, a bit longer. Um, but Dave kind of summarizes what we need. So he says, despite what Dusty Rhodes says on this show, even if WWE had allowed TNA wrestlers to appear on the ECW pay-per-view, Dixie Carter had made the TNA call that it wasn't in the best interest of her company to for it to happen. So Rhodes did an interview uh, the day after quitting his booker saying that he had, he says, quote, to tell you the truth, I don't have a lot of time to deal with something I don't really believe in. 
Uh, he got molten heat from some people in TNA for that line. He says, quote, I'm not going to battle with a committee of people that are not my, that don't have the same vision that I do. Uh, it's not me being a dictator. That's not it. I use people's ideas, but at the end, it's my movie. It's going to be, it's going to be my movie and nobody else is going to direct it. And I'm not going to sit here in this committee, collect my paycheck and keep my mouth shut. I'm too old for that. He was also uh, negative about TNA running regular house shows, saying that they would lose their ass if they did it now because of their weak TV situation. He was also confirmed that he'd be he'd been called by Jim Ross regarding a 2006 Hall of Fame induction. Uh, he said he turned it down the invite in 2005 because of his loyalty to, to the to at the time to TNA. Um, he said he was not friends with Flair and was never friends with Flair, uh, but they knew they worked well together. Um, and also, uh, it's noted that if Broads doesn't stay much longer. And the truth is, it's very difficult uh, to a guy to lose his booking position to stay on as a talent. Then one would suspect that Larry Zabisco would be leading candidate for the TV DOA spot. Okay. That would make sense, I think. Especially if he's fucking there anyways half the time. Yeah, and he was a judge. And he's a judge. That's right. Well, Bob, that is all I got here. Uh, I know it was a lot, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on here at this time in TNA, um, especially coming off of a pay-per-view. Uh, but with that being said, man, I am ready for this episode of Impact. I am as well. So thank goodness that we can finally get into it. So it is that time to get into the May 20th, 2005 edition of impact i'm gonna count down from three and when i say play that is when we are going to start the show if you want to watch along i'm sure it's on impact plus or you can find it in your own personal collection so here we go three two one play this is tna i have a pretty crazy thing for you here bob as as we're getting over our hard justice uh, still images, there was actually a dark match at this taping. Really? It is absolutely nothing that means anything to either one of us, as far as I know. But uh, Sean Powers defeated the Wanderer. What the hell's that? I don't know, but it's listed in the thing, so I had to tell you. <laughs> Fascinating, I, isn't it? I have no idea. I've never heard of that before in my life. I know. I couldn't believe there was a dark. I'm glad I checked because I, I almost stopped checking because there was like so little. But I, I, I double checked and here we are. Hmm. So, yeah, we're still just going through our stills here. We're going to probably do this for a minute. Then we're going to get the intro with our shitty song. I do have a bunch of notes that we're going to talk about during the show, Bob, including a Mike Tanay interview. Which is, uh, I feel like a rare thing. I feel like Mike Tanay doesn't do a ton of those. Yeah, I don't think so. At least not typically. Yeah, I hate this song so much. I hate the videos even more, I think, because it's like shows like Sabu and shit. Yeah. And like Jeff Hardy's the last guy showing like he's Hulk Hogan. Yeah. We need an update. Phenomenal AJ Dials. Pyro. 
Love it. Waste that budget, baby. Gotta you know go all I mean? out if you're losing your TV here in a minute. Might as well. Oh, look at that custom spinner belt of nothing. Oh, do I have a crowd number? Hold on. I don't know if I do, though. Oh, I do. At this taping, we have 600. So we're not a sellout after the right. pay-per-view. That's pretty interesting. I was going to say 700. Oh, yeah. I should have made you guess. Here comes Sonny Saki. Who? Ha. Who? Ha. Who? Ha. We're just going to do seven minutes of Bob singing Sunny Saki song. Like ha. Who? Ha. Oh, it looks like he's fighting Monty Brown. <coughs> the man who apparently could not pin uh, Domino's page. He also was do. they had a weird camera angle there, zooming very close to him. Normally he's got Pyro there, and he did not. I remember a couple weeks ago how we talked about uh, Lex Levette. He's going to be retiring. He's a, probably already changed his mind. Yeah, so um, apparently, um, it, apparently it was supposed to happen, I think, at this point. I can't remember exactly, but... Um, and now apparently that only has to do with doing Florida indie wrestling, uh, because he told TNA officials that he'd still do job duty for them as needed. Uh, the belief is that he has new work hours where he has to be working weekends, week weekend nights, so he simply wasn't available to do indie shows. Oh my god, that's funny. So he wanted a send off. Fall away slam. Siaki got uh, a heel kick in. Uh, the first 30 seconds here, but then you got a fallaway slam by Mountain Brown. That's great, though. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. Already pouncing oh. into the bottom rope. Oh, no. Oh, Siaki under wow. a minute? Siaki's done. Wow. <laughs> He's fucking fried. Siaki's got to be done. How much more do we... I mean, is he here... He's not here another year, is he? Uh, There's no way. No. I think he's gone by well, the end of the Michael Shane is feeling up on Tracy very weird right now. Yeah, he is. Terry Taylor's interviewing him. I'm getting uncomfortable. Oh, they, so they're saying there's a political game to keep him and Tracy apart, but they played the game a little bit better. The game was just dusty forgetting that they were together. He says that basically Tracy wouldn't want to be with like a low life like Chris Saban. Oh, he let a nobody stunt woman hang out with a superstar like him. That's what he's saying about Trinity. So she should be she should be happy. I came to a head at hard justice. <laughs> Tracy goes. You super kicking Trinity. That all it did was improve her face. You want to whine with Michael Shane at Chris Saban? He's bigger. He's more muscular. He's got more talent in the ring. And he's way sexier than Chris Saban would ever be. Oh, she says, you know what was sexy? What was really sexy about you? 
when you used to wear that X Division gold around your waist. So Michael Shane's probably going for that X title again. With that, uh, besides the awkward touching, I don't mind the way that I like Saban or sorry, um, Michael Shane presented with Tracy, I think is a good fit. I liked obviously when they with the trio with Kazarian. Right. Okay, so we're talking about hard justice again. Mike today's in the ring. Are we about to get an AJ promo or something here? Yeah, we got to be. Here he comes. The new champion. The phenomenal AJ Styles. Look, he's dressed like a champion. Button-up shirt tucked in. About two sizes too big. The most phenomenal Mm -hmm. champ ever. AJ pushed the king off the mountain. Well, Tito kind of did, but I get it. Yeah. Tito definitely did, but we'll give it to AJ. AJ had to cover him and keep him down. So, Right. Well, what is our champion going to say? We're going to find out. Who's going to be the person to come out here and say, AJ, I'm coming for your belt? Jeff Jarrett. <sighs> I mean, come on. It's going to be better than, better than that. Evil, good evil. Look at today. He's so proud. He's like a proud dad. He's like, yeah. There we are. AJ, AJ, AJ. AJ. Congratulations, AJ. You can't believe it's hard to believe that it is a reality. This may sound a little cheesy. I do not think I could do this without the fans. Yeah, great cliche. The Monster Best won the 20-man gauntlet. He's the number one contender for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, see? Something uh, called it, bro. Caught up. Yeah, it gets cut off by uh, Jeff Jarrett. Styles is pissed, dude. Oh, yeah. Here comes guitar in hand. My world. <laughs> Mike, today you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And all of you should be ashamed of yourself for applauding that man. Look at him point the guitar at him. It didn't take one man, it took two men. 
to the throne. And a potato punch. And a potato. I earned that belt. Uh, it's like, oh, fucking uh, A, Bob. Okay. It's Slammiversary. He's exercising his rematch. Fuck. Oh, Don West said, can he do that? We know he'd like to, but. When you come take this belt from me right now, today's like, oh. J- uh, AJ lays the title on the mat. Jerry I really don't want to see a rematch. Well, there's a good chance you're about to. Oh, shit. Monty Brown attacks Styles from behind. Jared's lackey. Oh, oh, oh. I wouldn't oh. mind a Monty Brown-AJ uh, match. That'd be cute. That's kind of fun. Monty Brown would just toss him around. Oh, as he just did, and now Styles is getting some right hands in. But don't worry, here comes Jarrett from behind. Oh, oh, off the rope, comes back. Oh, he jumps over Jarrett, but Monty Brown caught him. Pop up the Alpha Bomb. That will do it. How is nobody helping AJ? I don't know. Damn it. Dude. Now I want to see Monty Brown versus Styles, dude. Oh, Abyss' oh. song is playing. But he's not going to help AJ. Oh, come on, Tanae. Is he here to help AJ? No way. Dude, this is like Hogan at Bash of the Beach. No. What side is he on? No, we're not doing it. We're going to get a swerve. Okay. He's going to help AJ, dude. Oh, black hole slam to the champion. Good night. Good night. How would anybody expect that to be a face turn for Abyss? It would make no sense. Who's coming out here? Sean Wallman. Sean Wallman in AMW. Nice. Wallman in the red suit totally just threw me off, though. He's got a red velvet tracksuit on. Guys were a little late. Yeah. I like to imagine that they were like across the park on a ride and they got word that Styles was getting beat up. So they were like, fuck, fuck. Yeah. We got to go. We got to get out of the line at the Minions ride and we got to go help them. Back from commercial, Jerry is yelling at Dusty with Abyss and Monty Brown behind him. <laughs> he just slammed the locker shut. Oh, he just threw a chair at the Slammiversary poster. Oh, he got his rematch. It's official. What? Oh, oh. We're doing the King of the Mountain. AJ, Abyss, Monty Brown, Jarrett. He said he's got a wild card. Okay, so that was a very random announcement. Yeah. Bob, we got 
a King of the Mountain match to main event Slammiversary for the title. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, there's Raven. Zabisco is at the commentator's table. Raven's coming out to ask to be the wild card. Raven says he should be in it. He says he's going to turn TNA into a bloodbath. If he doesn't. Dabisco says he essentially has no information. You're in no position to deny me what I want. The only thing you did was lay out Bruno in 1980. Tell me on the wild card. Oh, shit, he slapped the headset off his Zabisco. Oh, my God, he's going to hit Tanae and West, he just said. He's threatening Tanae because he knows that he's like the booker. Uh-oh. Oh, Zabisco oh. just ram Raven into the announcer's table. Yeah, the, stage, the ramp. Dude, the crowd's the loving this. Oh shit! He's oh, he he smashed the biscuit with a chair. This is wild. What the fuck? Come on, Zabisco! Oh, he missed him. He missed the yeah, kid. Okay, threw him in the ring now. Raven is taking over the show because he wants to be the wild card and the king of the mountain. If I can't be the savior of the company, I'll be its destruction. Raven, a fact to Larry Zabisco, middle of the ring. Oh, he said, you want some more? Wait, I like Crazy Raven. This is great. Another Raven effect. Wow. You're not unconscious yet. I know you can hear me. Here comes security. Raven is taking out security now. Oh, my God. I love when they use them. They hit people with the microphone, and you hear it like... Yeah. Raven going nuts. I like this. Tell me what I want to hear. Here comes Dusty. How dare you crack whip with me? How dare you put your hands on a TNA official? As of this moment... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He just suspended wow. Raven. Oh! Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Raven said, quit. You can't suspend me, Rhodes. I quit. What the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, my God. He's throwing down West. No. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, we're back from commercial, and now Ron Killings and BG are um, yelling at each other, and there's a sneaky camera watching him from the corner, which is really great. I like it a lot. It's like TNA reaction. Yeah, it is. I like this, though. You got heat with me? You got heat with Conan? He's like, no, we got three-life crew. Oh. 
Ron Killings is losing his voice. He's yelling so much at BG. What's up? What's up? <laughs> With the three left crew, man. You did it. It's your fault. Thanks, BG. Uh, things aren't looking good for the three life crew, man. No. Wow. Okay. So now we have an entrance coming up here. Um, we can kind of digest everything we just saw. It looks like Cassidy Riley, I think. Yeah. Um, Dude, that Raven segment. That was good. I can't believe you just quit. You can't suspend me. I quit. I do think that Raven demanding to be in the King of the Mountain makes a lot of sense. He's been, he's kind of been in like a weird place, but he's been in some decently high profile matches. Well, yeah, and he just, he just won it. Um, hard justice. So. Now I think he should have won. Oh wait, 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 wait! Daniel's coming out, and here comes Michael Shane, who took the hood off Daniel. He didn't even attack him. Michael Shane is confronting the X Division champion during his entrance. Give him a title shot. Don't you ever interrupt me again? Interesting. Hey, speaking of Christopher Daniels, Bob. Um, he has also signed a three-year contract over the weekend. Oh, so he'll also be there through September of 2008? Seems to be. Hmm. Okay, so that was a quite the confrontation. There. I feel like they're they're going to make Daniels a favor. If Michael Shane gets a title shot, right? That seems to be the next program. Dude, if the crowd loves him, how would... I mean, you might as well. Yeah. Uh, there is one Indian out for Christopher Daniels. Who I know about this one. <clears throat> Back on May 13th for uh, PWG. Jason takes PWG. This was a PWG title versus the exhibition title. AJ Styles, the PWG champion, Russell Daniels to a 60-minute time limit draw. Yeah, I actually um, I had that note as well. So that tells you how big of a, a match that must have been. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything to add to it. I can't find it. Here we go. There's only 275 fans there, and it was billed as a title versus title match because Daniels was defending the X Division title against the PWG title that Styles holds. Which I've never liked that because obviously there's not going to be a major TNA title change. Well, listen to this too. It's also pretty funny as Daniels locks in a submission on Riley. Um, Johnny Fairplay actually showed up at the card and was taunting uh, Styles, playing a heel manager. Uh, although he, he didn't appear to be a part of the show since he left before the match ended. Hmm. Uh, and they also apparently announced that America's Most Wanted versus this just says Kid. I don't know who that is though. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just telling you. Um, but speaking of Fairplay, he was actually scheduled to be brought back, but he. Uh, might be a casualty of the booking change because Rhodes liked him, but no one else seems to. That doesn't surprise me. And Bob, the hits just keep on coming because I feel like I'm falling behind uh, because this show has been pretty good so far. 
there is a actual rumored opponent for Daniels for Slammiversary, and this one is crazy. Juventud Guerrera. Uh, no. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was spoken oh. about doing the Slammiversary pay-per-view. Uh, he would have challenged Daniels for the exhibition title. As the gimmick they are trying to do is to have top international stars be brought into fate Daniels. Um, there's also talk of Ultima Dragon huh. uh, as a potential challenger. Now, the Liger thing fell through because it was during uh, New Japan Super Juniors tournament, so he was unable to appear. Mm. couple scoop slams. Ultima Dragon would be cool. Yeah. Split like Moonsault by Riley. Whoa. Just a two count, though. And also, you mentioned PWG, and we're talking about this new booking committee. You ready to hear some names that the new booking committee is interested in bringing in as Riley goes for Lion Salt and he gets the knees up? He just hit like a fisherman buster, too. That was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm actually very curious. So, I'll give you the obvious first. They're interested in Samoa, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe? Okay. They're interested in CM Punk, which we've actually heard about. The other one is a wild card. In 2005 here, they are interested in bringing in Brian Danielson. So they just want to take all the ring of honor guys. Yeah. And Daniels gets a three count. I think, was that for the Angels' wings? Yes, it was. Uh, Joe is apparently most probable because um, definite ideas have been discussed for him. Oh, oh, shit, here comes Michael Shane. The thing is that even though... Oh, wait, who's coming down? Sabin. It's Saban. Oh, shit, he hits a drop kick on Daniels because Michael Shane moved out of the way. The thing is that Michael Shane can still seem like a viable contender, even when he stays out of it. He's a former yeah. champion, and he is, he's got some good heel work. So, But now we're seeing something else happen in here, and it looks like Saban might kind of be involved in the mix. Yeah. Which makes sense because of the whole the way the match ended at Hardcore Justice. I like this. Hard Justice. Hard Justice. See, I did it. Sorry. Dusty's in the office. Here comes AJ Styles. He's freaking out because about the King of the Mountain. Slam anniversary. King of the Mountain. I'm a fighting champion. I always have been. Oh, shit. Jeff Jarrett, you're trying to ruin our show? Raven, he's going to hold a hostage? Brown. Can't wait till June nineteenth. I'm a little wadded up too. <laughs> oh. He said, you want Jeff Jarrett? You don't have to wait. Next week. Monty Brown, Jeff Jarrett versus Styles, and a partner of his choice next week. Who will he have him? Who will team with him? Oh, it's not going to be Hardy. He's suspended. Raven quit. I don't know. Waltman? Waltman has saved him. It's got to be Waltman, dude. It's got to be Waltman. Here comes Eric Young. And I think Petey Williams I saw. Oh, it's all Team Canada. A1 as well. Oh, Canada. 
Uh, Petey Williams has a couple of uh, Indian notes. Back on May 13th, he defeated Chris Sabin for X3W, Burn the Bridge in Ohio. And then on May 14th, he won the NWA Upstate No Limits title when he defeated Kevin Dunn. Hmm. So that's a little close to us. Nice. Let's see who we... Oh, find the AMW, which never have any notes, so... That's... I mean, that's true. So Team Canada. It looks like Eric Young and Petey Williams against America Goes Wanted here. I'm a defending skilled dude. Um, Jeff Hardy uh, here did an interview for the Ottawa Sun. And he, he this is pretty interesting. He noted that him and Matt would probably only team up once in TNA. And it would be probably on Matt's debut show, saying that both felt the same way about it. Jeff said uh, he likes life a lot more now because of the TNA schedule, as he's doing virtually no indie bookings as well. So that's pretty much all the TNA stuff he talked about during the interview. But. So if if that were to happen, it has to be the Hardys against AMW, right? It has to be. And if it's only a one-time teaming, AMW has to win. Right. In my opinion. This is a 30-minute time limit. I think they said it's a number one contender match. Yeah, but I thought it was only title matches that got... They're really spicing this up. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things Jeff says in this interview, just because I think it's funny, this is during the whole, like, Edge and... Uh, Lita situation. Um, so Matt played a cell phone message from Edge to Lita, telling her how much he, that he loved her. Mm-hmm. So Jeff called Edge and left a message on his answering machine. So there you go, that dates it. This says, "Hey, this is all screwed up. I hate you right now." And I just like the way he said that. I hate you right now. Right now. But like maybe not in the future. That whole that whole situation is just bizarre. Yeah, it's crazy. Because I don't even know if at at this point if Edge and Lita are even still together technically. I don't think it was. A it was more like a little a little fling. That's what I think it was. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like they are still together right now. Do you? I don't know. Definitely on screen, but. Well, on yeah, but I'm saying like I don't know. I feel like they made a been. Because it's still, like, pretty fresh around this time. Yeah. At least to the public. <laughs> tag, Eric Young comes in. James Storm is on a knee. Oh, Eric tag. still sporting the trunks, which always throws me off. Yeah. Um, let me give you that Mike Tenet interview, too, just because it's a little bit longer, and this is a longer match, it seems, so it might be perfect. As AMW throws Petey Williams into Eric Young as we go to commercial. And we're back. 25-24 left. By the way, if you're following along, we are 29 minutes and 9 seconds into the show. Uh, so uh, Mike Tenet did an interview. Um, so it says, who will uh, probably work in it? So he's a part of the committee, it notes. Um, he put over Jimmy Hart for all the work that he does to try to drum up interest uh, at Universal Studios. He was asked about AJ Styles as champion. But, of course, this was before the pay-per-view. So, of course, try not to give away anything. Uh, he did say that AJ Styles, like a Chris Benoit, was the kind of guy who could be could have a good match with anyone, 
and that was uh, the mark of a champion. He was asked about being part of the committee, and all he would say was that he would be giving his input during production meetings and whenever he was asked. He said that he'd seen both committee form and all powerful single single book reform work and not work in the past. So he's seen he's seen it all. And that uh, with a committee, it depends who was on it. He was confident that the TNA committee would do well. Mike Tanay can be very political in interviews, uh, says here. So uh, he said the I- ideal TV situation would be primetime Monday night head-to-head deal with WWE. He doesn't always have it right, I guess. He also said that if they got on WGN Monday nights, that he hoped WGN would do a lot of advertising to let fans know that the show was on. That's just I don't I don't understand the obsession with competing with Raw. I mean, you're not. I don't know. You would want. Your own night. Oh, Petey knocks down Harris off the, the apron here as they got control over James Storm still. Slams him down. He's going to get the hot tag. Here comes James Storm. Cleaning house on Eric Young. Boom. Big power slam. Goes the PD. Kicks him in the gut. Looking for. I have the storm. I remembered it this time. And there you go. Nice. Goes for the cover. One, two. No. Oh, shit. Double team. He's going to hit that heart attack. Kind of delayed, but oh, that's why he was waiting for A1 to be in the right spot so he could trip him. Oh, I'm out. Pete going for a sharpshooter. Is he about to get a submission? He's in the middle of the ring. Oh, oh. and a bad elbow from Eric Young from behind. Oh, I thought that was a good count. This is actually a, a really interesting matchup because I almost feel like Team Canada's got to win because I do feel like the Naturals. Because of Candido, because the crowd's liking them a lot. I think they're kind of going, turning face a little bit. So I kind of feel like Team Canada's going to end up winning here. Well, and I also just, I wouldn't want a repetitive match. Like, I agree with that, too. Super kick. No, maybe I spoke too soon. Super kick on Eric Young. It looks like, are they about to set up for the death sentence? The power plaques, but from Triple X. But they uh, they did not. Oh. oh, oh, that was bullshit. That was bullshit. He yes. got a roll up and James Storm's leg was in the rope. Yeah. But, you know, it's Rudy Charles. He likes to ignore that stuff. So Team Canada are the number one contenders. I don't hate that. No, I don't hate that either. Look at, I love, like, pissed off AMW, I love. Yeah. Do you think, okay, fantasy booking for a second. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I feel like if they continually lose, they're going to get a little mean, and we're about to see a heel turn with America's Most Wanted eventually. Not right away. I think we have a little time. I think we can build to that. Who do you think? When do you think it would happen? Wait, hold on one second. They filed. Just we, we're going to see some video footage here soon. There's a camera crew that followed Raven out of the uh, uh, impact zone. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's like right after Slammiversary. But or maybe at the following pay-per-view. Oh, it's official. Sean Waltman is AJ Styles' partner for next week. Jarrett and Monty Brown coming over to the commentator's table for the next match. And on that note, Bob, I have I have two more notes here. I think. Let me double check. Yeah, two more notes. Uh, one of which is just some rating updates. Uh, the April 29th showed the .28 rating. Uh, the number was up 33%, probably due to the Candido's death. The April 30th replay show did a .28. Uh, numbers were uh, way down uh, the next week when May 6th did a .18, and the May 7th replay did a .12. And right now, since January, the Friday average is a .21, and a Saturday average is a .25. So they're doing better on that Saturday night replay mm. as Abyss comes out. Oh, Jared's saying that Abyss is the newest member. To his little group. But he said his third member. So is the outlaw not in his group? Oh. Oh, that's weird. Because Abyss would be the fourth. That's weird. I don't like that. Um, my final note here, Bob, just to get out of the way so we can enjoy uh, our main event here. Yes, Chris Sabin comes out. Nice. Saban versus Abyss. That's an interesting match. I have a feeling we're going to see a cluster fuck at the end of this one. I feel like Chris Saban's going to get his butt whooped. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking, hang on a minute. Chris Saban yeah. on May 14th at the W1W debut show lost to Amazing Red. Oh, shit. And then Abyss on May 13th as well. He defeated Shirley Doe. On X3W's Burn the Bridge in a casket match. Whoa, what? Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Um, my final note here. Uh, you won't believe who's backstage at the taping. Randy Savage. No, it was Gal Kim. Um, and apparently, mm-hmm. the plan is to use her, and you won't believe these names are thrown out, to use her, Jazz, and Molly Holly... Uh, if the TV show goes to two hours, um, and not, not to use oh. them every, every week, but to use them as semi-regulars. Abyss just pretty much dropped Saban on his shoulder and neck. That was gross. Saban gets a one count. Sean Waltman, that's right, next week. Um, That's a little interesting. I don't, Molly Holly, I don't... Yeah, apparently she... um. She's obviously would have to change her name, um, and yeah. but she has to wait out her non-compete. And it says J- Jazz might have to change her name as well, which I think doesn't, when she's not in WWE, doesn't she only have one Z? I don't remember how she does it. Oh, I don't know. I know that she's Jazz. Yeah, I don't think she ever is not Jazz. She used that name in ECW, though. That's, that's why I don't think she'd have to. I don't think she would have to, yeah. Um. Yeah, this is kind of a crazy thought, though. Like, the idea that they could potentially be building a women's division around Jazz, Molly Holly, and Gal Kim. I think that would be good. I I mean, I've always liked Kim. I, I liked all three of those. Yeah, I like them all, too. And you got Tra- uh, Tracy and uh, Trinity as well, so. Well, my only concern with that would be, I feel like Trinity and Tracy would be super exposed. Yes. Uh, considering they're Tr- not I, like veterans, 
I think Trinity could hold her own. I think she'd be more likely to than Tracy, yeah. Well, I sort of feel like Tracy... Oh, oh! What the fuck? Well, so Abyss was going to go for a choke slam, um, to the outside... Or, sorry, to the inside, because they were on the apron. So Saban was crouched on the top. He broke off. Abyss fell to the floor, and Saban popped himself over the post to hit a Hurricane Rana on the floor. Oh, he went off the apron, but Abyss grabbed him in a choke slam. Let's see, he's going to hit it. Pop up? No. Oh, oh. Oh. Against the steps. He swung him against the steps. Shit. Wow. That was, uh, that was hard hit. This was a cover. Saban manages to kick out. I can't imagine Saban really recovering from getting his head just thrown into the ring steps like that. Mm-mm. No way. Jared is saying he's the greatest NBA champion of all time on commentary. Well, he had a stutter, so he said all, all, all time. <laughs> so three times. He's a monster. Over and shot by this. We have five minutes left in this show. Oh. Got a little, uh, what? You know, he's twisting his head. Saban trying to elbow out. Comes off the ropes. Kicks to the chest of this. And he runs into a big boy. Stops Saban right in his tracks. Slammiversary, Sunday, June 19th. That's the second time I saw that at the bottom of the screen there. And they had it on the top, too, though. Yep. Who do you think the wild card's going to be? Sean Waltman. Samoa Joe. Oh, shit. Could you CM imagine? CM Punk, Brian Danielson. Well, here's the thing. I feel like if you, if you put Samoa Joe in that spot, you probably should just have him win. Right? Yeah. Probably can't have him lose. Insiguri. I only say Sean Waltman because he's like involved with the situation right now. If he's going to be his partner next week, well, it's five guys, right? Um, Should match. I think. I think usually. So Jarrett, Monty Brown, Abyss, Styles. Uh, I'll tell you right now what I almost slipped on earlier because I was waiting to see if they're going to say it is. I think the only reason they're in a wild card is because Jeff Hardy was supposed to be in it. Right. So he was going to be that, and now they're like, don't know. So Tornado DDT by Saban, but Abyss pops up at two. I don't mind the idea of a wild card, though. I don't know. I mean, I feel like for pay-per-views, you really want to announce stuff that way. You like the viewer knows 
Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Oh, oh, going for powerbomb, but Saban slipped through, goes for a cover, but he this slipped out even. Now he's gonna Oh, catapult. Oh, there's a chair in the corner. I wonder who's gonna hit that chair that's wedged in the corner. Probably Andrew Thomas. Abyss goes for a choke slam and he gave he gave Saban an atomic wedgie. Yeah. That looked like it hurt. I don't know what hurt what hurts most there, the choke slam or the wedgie. I think the wedgie, dude. Come on, Abyss. Okay, Abyss is removing the wedge chair because he knows oh. he's going to hit it. Yeah, his his head is a magnet for chairs in the corner. It really, dude, the mask. It right. makes so much sense, dude. It's made That's of metal. It is. Throw the box. Oh, oh, shit. Missile drop kicks the chair into Abyss's face. That looked nice. Oh. There's, well, there's Tracy. Tracy and my dude. I freaking know. Oh, cradle shock on a cradle shock. But here's Michael Shane waiting and super oh. kicked him. I knew that was gonna happen. Dude. I was I was gonna say I'm surprised Michael Shane hasn't came out yet. I do. That's why I told you it was gonna be a cluster here. But the referee distracted makes this a little bit better for me. It's not just like a yeah too much of a mess. Going for the shock treatment. Boom. Today has a name. Shock treatment. Sit down. Vanishing didn't Jared. hate that match or the finish. Is Jared going to hit the stroke on Saban just because he, he can get some... Uh, Pushes rugged. Andrew Thomas out of the way. Unholy Alliance. That's what we're seeing right here in front of us, Tanae says. Right, put her there. Black hole slamming with this. No way. Do it. Although, why is Do he it. delaying the handshake? Do it. Put her there. Like, the fans even wanted to do Oh, no. Oh, he shook his hand. Wait, is he going to spin him around? Oh, shit. Oh. Oh, shit. Look, at Monty think... Brown doesn't know what to do. I didn't think he was going to do it. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so I guess is Abyss not with Jarrett then? He's not. I really did not think he was going to actually do the Black Hole Slam. Wow. But that episode of Impact was uh, freaking awesome. I thought that was a good show. That one's a double thumbs up for me. I really, really like that show. Mike Tanay, a good influence. Dude, it's got to be, right? Who would have thought? I don't know. I just think everything about that show was, like, very well done. The continuity from, like, the Styles interview to him talking to Dusty backstage to Raven coming out and quitting because he's not getting his way and to get involved in the match to Abyss joining him in the beginning of the show and then turning on him at the end. I mean, wow. That was a good ass episode of Impact. I yeah, I would say that was a, that was a very that was a strong way to come out of a lackluster breakthrough. Yeah, it was. Um Dare I say that was arguably, I'm going to say, one of the strongest episodes of Impact in totality we've seen. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's how good I think that was. And now I'm, when we come off of a hot show like that, I get real fucking excited for the next week. Yeah. 
So I think it's going to be really good. Uh, and we know we have a huge tag team match. Uh, Monty Brown and Jeff Jarrett versus AJ Styles and Sean Waltman. Now I kind of wish it was AJ and Abyss, but. Yeah. Which would actually be pretty interesting since they don't get along either. So it could be like the, you, you know, they always do in wrestling. Right. Um, and dude, King of the Mountain is set for Slammiversary. Seems like we have a potential Michael Shane Daniels or Michael Shane Daniels Chris Sabin X Division title match. I think the latter is um, potentially more. It's probably a triple threat. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably going to happen. We know uh, Team Canada against the Naturals, number one contenders. Yeah. But that's actually super interesting, too, because what does America's Most Wanted do? You can't leave them off your third anniversary. Yeah. Mm. That's that's a good, that's a really good question. Wow, that's actually really interesting. But card's shaping up really nice, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, King of the Mountain, I, I tend to enjoy, like the gimmick itself, anyway. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really good, and uh, I have, I have far more interest in the King of the Mountain than I did AJ Jarrett at Hard yeah. Justice, and then a potential rematch that they were teasing. Yep, yep, and I think, th- I think they knew that, and I kind of like the fact that they like made us be like, oh god, like Jarrett again, and then they're like, ah, it's King of the Mountain. It's like, oh shit, okay, yeah. They let you down before they bring you up. I like it. Right. Um, yeah, dude. I don't know. I can't say enough good about that show. And now I'm very excited for Slammiversary. I was Me excited too. for Slammiversary anyways. This yeah. is a big this is a big one. So three year anniversary. Uh, and we're doing monthly pay-per-views now. It's a lot, it's different. The more interesting part of all this, as we will continue to talk about, is the TV situation. We have one episode of Impact left. On FSN. I mean, it's is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about that more next week, and then I don't know. We're we're gonna be spitballing, Bob. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we're gonna we'll. Uh, it's either gonna be a surprise or uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, we'll figure that. We'll spitball. It's probably gonna <laughs> be a surprise more than anything, but <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, all right. Well, next week, what we know so far is that there's going to be a tag match. AJ and Waltman against Monty Brown and Jeff Jarrett. So I'm looking forward to that. And as we've been saying, uh, we're both looking forward to what is uh, what Slam Slammiversary is shaping up to be right now. So thankfully, this was a good show. We're back maybe on the on the right track, even if TV seems to be fading away. But we will figure out the landscape of TNA in the coming weeks. And we hope that you guys continue to follow along with us. So until next week, for Dallas Gridley, I am Bob Collin Jr. And this has been the TNA Cross the Line Podcast. Yeah!